The Ethereum merge was successful, what now? Michael Saylor is planning to sell more shares to buy Bitcoin. That and more in the crypto market talk this week. In this week's episode, we will talk about Bitcoin, of course, some interesting stuff happening with Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy. We'll, of course, talk about the Ethereum merge that was successfully executed last week and kind of the competing chains right now. And then we'll also have a look onto Ripple and their lawsuit with the SEC, how that's going and what that means for investors. At the end, we'll also quickly look at our favorite meme coin, Dogecoin to quickly discuss what's going on there. Let's jump into some crypto news first. You might remember Joe Biden sending out an executive order a couple of weeks ago saying that he wants the crypto industry kind of lighted through to have a look at the crypto industry as a whole. Does it need to be regulated? What needs to be regulated and so on and so forth? So the U.S. finance ministry has spent some time on the crypto industry, has looked at different protocols and came up with this interesting report stating three different risks and also kind of their suggestions on what to do next. So first, let's talk about the risks. They're calling them the working risks. So essentially, the market has been very, very volatile in the last couple of months. So they're saying that essentially, if you invest into cryptocurrencies, you are exposed to even more risk than traditional financial assets. Another thing is this so-called commission risk or participation risk that of course happens with other markets as well. So the volatility of the markets, the general macroeconomic outlook of course does play a role but that would play a role if you're invested in stocks or other products as well. And at the end, we also have another third risk, which is the behavior risk. The behavior risk, of course, is if the crypto investor is not very experienced in any kind of way that he or she might be exposed to additional risk here as well. Now, the most interesting part of the report is, of course, their recommendations. So we can learn some stuff from that report, essentially them saying they want greater observation of the market. Market. They want regulatory cooperation and information exchange. And this is super interesting, something we've talked about many, many times, especially in regards to CBDC. So as soon, for example, if you use a major exchange in the US and you want to transfer to a different wallet, it could very well be in the future that the exchange has to report this specific transaction to the authorities. So we can probably expect a bit more regulation in the market, especially also considering now that Ethereum has moved from proof of work to proof of stake, a lot of discussions around Ethereum potentially becoming a security is open now as well. Is it only FUD, so fear, uncertainty, doubt, or is it really true? But let's continue with Bitcoin and some interesting or funny news. The Black Swan author Nassim Taleb is calling Bitcoin a tumor. 
He is saying that on CNBC, he has been on the TV talking about the general markets and he also talked about the fact that the last 14 to 15 years of the markets have been completely mismanaged by the Fed and by the macro people. He's saying that essentially we were in Disneyland, we were in a very, very positive environment and that has put wrong confidence into a lot of people, a lot of hedge funds popped up, but he also mentioned Bitcoin saying tumors like Bitcoin have popped up. Now, the interesting part with Nassim Taleb is that he was originally quite a big Bitcoin fan. He even wrote the foreword for a very important Bitcoin book in the market. He has since redacted that forward, has removed it and is now a big, big anti-Bitcoiner as we call him in the industry. Now whether he is true or not remains to be seen. Fact is the macroeconomic situation is really dire. So it will be interesting to see whether he was right, whether Bitcoin really was a tumor, whether it will go to a thousand or even zero US dollars or whether it will stay above 20,000. Right now the price looks a bit rough. It will jump into the chart just in a couple of minutes. But first, let's talk about Michael Saylor. It says here in the Fortune magazine, Michael Saylor unveils a new Bitcoin bet. And the strangest part is that the math could actually work for shareholders. What are we talking about? Specifically this one. He is planning on selling 500 million US dollars in stock to swell his Bitcoin stash. Meaning he will sell MicroStrategy stock in order to buy even more Bitcoin. Now you could say, well, Michael Saylor already bought 2.4 billion US dollar worth of Bitcoin and he is essentially in the hole. So he's in a negative right now. His average price is around 28, if not 32,000 US dollars. So that essentially means he's already in the negative, but he of course wants more. Now, interestingly, in this article, the author is saying the following and I think it's an interesting theory. What if MicroStrategy's stock is so overvalued that it's less inflated than battered Bitcoin? Now, of course, Bitcoin has been down about 70% in the last couple of months, but he's saying MicroStrategy stock could potentially be even more over overvalued. Saylor might conceivably be smart to issue new shares now while he can still sell them far above fundamental value, essentially saying that MicroStrategy's stock price is still too high, and park the proceeds in something that's seen at least in some camps as a hard asset. So of course, referring to Bitcoin, Bitcoin being the hard asset in this equation. He'd be using a super rich currency to buy what's supposed to be a durable store of value. Then though, MicroStrategy shareholders would still suffer big time, which is very true. They'd suffer less than if Saylor hadn't sold the shares to buy more Bitcoin, providing the coins simply keep today's value. So technically, he's betting on the fact that even if Bitcoin doesn't move, but the fundamental value of MicroStrategy is overvalued in 
Michael Saylor's eyes, that could potentially mean that he's actually doing the shareholders potentially a bonus. Now, it's very, very interesting, especially if you look at MicroStrategy's business right now. They have only returned around 19 million US dollars in revenue last year. The business has been stagnant, so it's not really growing at a really fast pace. Of course, the stock price went from around 150 US dollars up until 700 US dollars was thanks to Bitcoin, but of course, thanks to the Bitcoin bull run. The question is right now in the bear market, will MicroStrategy really survive this crazy strategy that might even work out for Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy? Looking at the chart, it looks, of course, dire. However, what we could potentially do, of course, we have this interesting buy zone here, just between, if we look at the price here, we can see that between 12,860 and around 14,3, this is a very, very interesting buy zone that I'm observing very closely. Now, if we jump down to the four hour chart, what we're seeing here is again, a range trade that we could potentially take. So essentially between 17 up until 25, we could range trade this. You could even pull the range a bit tighter and you could define essentially a range that could be very, very interesting to trade in the coming months. So as you can see, the range trade has been working out really, really nicely, even here in May and then later on. So potentially this range trade that we have seen here could repeat again, once again here. So this could be an interesting trade, especially if you want to profit from its volatility. Now let's jump on to Ethereum because Ethereum has succeeded in doing the merge. We've talked about it for many, many months. The merge is through, meaning Ethereum has switched from proof of work to proof of stake. And with that, of course, essentially Ethereum can potentially even become deflationary. I've talked about this in a blog post here and uh, about a year ago, actually. So in 3rd August 2021, we've talked about EIP 1559 or the so-called London hard fork. And that was, of course, the base that we've had to lay down in order to move on with the merge. Now with the merge, Another interesting change has happened. The inflation rate has dropped from 4.3% down to 0.43%, essentially meaning that Ethereum together with this EIP 1559 could become deflationary in the future. And that of course would essentially mean, and now we're referring again to this hard money, hard asset theory that Michael Saylor is doing and saying, of course, is that Ethereum could even become the ultra sound money. So the soundest money on earth, the hardest asset potentially, because it's a network that's being used. It's a network that is less inflationary than Bitcoin. And that could be quite interesting going forward. Now, what we also have to discuss, of course, is the kind of competing projects. With the merge together, what has happened is that a couple of miners have moved on and they moved on to other kind of Ethereum-based projects such as ETH POE is, a, for example, one uh, project or Ethereum FAIR, as they call it. So the short is ETF for that one, not to be mixed with an ETF product, of course. So these two products have been going on for quite some time. And of course, also Ethereum Classic, which you can trade on Swiss code as well. However, 
both of these hard forks, so Ethereum W, which is the Ethereum POW, and Ethereum FAIR, which is ETF in short, haven't really performed that well. Now, the interesting part is, of course, that the hash rate has kind of gone down a little bit as well. So the hash rate is essentially the miners on the network actively mining these different coins. So and the price, if we look at the price, for example, for ETH POW, we can see that one has dropped as well. So from its highs of around 50 to 60 US dollars, it has come down here up until here around 5 US dollars. It currently sits at around 526. The big question is, of course, will one of these kind of hard forks survive? If we look at the past in 2016 with Ethereum Classic versus Ethereum. And if you compare where Ethereum stands versus where Ethereum Classic stands, I would say they haven't succeeded. Very similarly to Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Compared to where Bitcoin is versus Bitcoin Cash, I don't see it succeeding very much. Now, another very interesting thesis is, of course, what are the institutional investors now doing? One of our theses was, of course, that together with this triple halvening, as I've called it many, many times, of Ethereum moving from proof of work to proof of stake, it will become a more interesting asset to invest in for institutional investors. Now, Bobby Zagota, which is the CEO uh, of Bitstamp, who is the CEO of Bitstamp USA, has also gone went on to Coindesk and talked about kind of how Ethereum is behaving right now. For example, Bitstamp in the US is observing, of course, how the developments are going on. But he's also saying that essentially the Ethereum move in the last couple of days and weeks has been led by institutional investors. Around 56% of the volume came from institutions versus around 35% which came from retail users. So essentially it means institutional investors are actively looking at Ethereum, potentially even investing into Ethereum as well. But for now they are still on the sidelines. So I do expect Ethereum to perform really, really nicely over the coming, I want to say six to nine months. But right now, of course, macroeconomically, we are still looking really bad. Looking at the Ethereum chart, we can see here the major, major drop classical by the rumor sell the news type of event here as you can see here the merge has happened at around this area and has since dropped down and you can see that the drop was quite significant of course now will it come down to this buying range that I've defined a couple of months ago of around 722 up until a thousand bucks? Very potentially so. I do think that Ethereum in the mid to long term is quite an interesting investment but as I've said short term it looks really really bad. Moving on to Ripple, because Ripple, the company, not the token, has had a very big lawsuit with the SEC. The SEC, of course, is arguing that Ripple, with its XRP token, is actually breaking securities laws because they are saying that XRP is actually a security. Now, Ripple and SEC have been going on back and forth in the 
specific lawsuit for quite some time. Ripple is saying that XRP profits came from market forces of supply and demand rather than any contract between Ripple and XRP token holders, essentially saying XRP is not a security. And now what has happened is quite interesting. They are both filing for a so-called summary judgment. A summary judgment essentially means that both parties are confident enough that they've provided enough evidence that the judge can make a ruling specifically right now. So it will probably be shortened. A ruling will probably be made soon. And the big question is, will it be favorable for Ripple or not favorable? Now, Ripple's CEO and CTO have both mentioned that in the case that the SEC is ruling that XRP is a security, Ripple will probably move its business headquarters to Japan. As you know, one of the big investors is SB. So SB is essentially uh, one of the biggest investors in Ripple in the ecosystem. So they have a very strong standing, of course, in Japan and they could essentially mean that Ripple and Ripple Labs, the company behind XRP, the token, would then move to Japan to build their HQ out there. Quite interesting. I'm not completely convinced that it is going to be that the SEC will essentially decide that or that the judge will actually decide in favor of the SEC will become very, very interesting, of course, for the chart as well. As you can see here, in the last couple of weeks, we've had some kind of ups and downs with XRP, the token as well. Of course, last week, this jump happened because on one side, we've had this summary judgment, but on the other side, we've also had this discussion that XRP is finally doing some interesting stuff with CBDCs and some countries would potentially announce a partnership with XRP as well. Now what is interesting is that the trend line here still in play. You could even prolong this up until here, although you would miss the VIX of course. But in my opinion, I do think that XRP could be on an inter interesting trajectory for now, but I'm still waiting on that lawsuit to settle in order to make my decision re regarding XRP. Now let's talk about Dogecoin, which has been a while since we've talked about the meme coin here. And interestingly, Dogecoin is now the second largest proof of work coin after the Ethereum merge. And we are of course referring to the market capitalization here looking at the different coins which are all mostly based on ethereum if you if you look at these different uh, coins and then of course you see dogecoin here so you have bitcoin obviously the king with proof of work and then you have dogecoin here on place uh, on the standing of number 10. now interestingly dogecoin has had some bad months as well of course, it hasn't survived, I want to say, the bear market uh, such as other coins as well. So it has had very, very rough months behind them, behind them. So looking at the kind of the chart here with Dogecoin specifically, we can see the chart looks very dire and it's a typical meme coin chart. So you have to be very, very careful to know what you're investing in when you're investing into meme coin. Of course, we've had this crazy run here at the beginning of 21. 
Then we had this crazy run in April, another run here in May, then kind of June, and then the last big run, August, September, another one around November. And since then, it has been going down and down. Now, if we kind of zoom in a little bit more, what I'm seeing here is that we will probably retrace back up until the beginning of 21, so around January or February. So I would expect the course of the price chart of Doge to drop at around three cents. And that then again could become an interesting buy opportunity. Another option is that it will fall below one cent and then it will drop below the January 21 numbers. So that again could be an interesting buying opportunity. Don't forget though, meme coins, very, very risky assets. So you have to know what you're getting into when buying Dogecoin. That was it from the crypto market talk this week. Make sure that you subscribe to this channel to not miss any other crypto news. I will see you on the next one. Have a good one. We'll